Owning Bitcoin is often put in contrast to owning stock in a company that produces a good or service. In virtue of the company producing a good or service and receiving money for the good or service, stock in that company is said to have intrinsic value. Methods of calculation of the intrinsic value of a stock usually involve calculating the value of the assets the company has and or the expected future earnings. Bitcoin is not a company and produces no goods or services, so it lacks intrinsic value. So goes the criticism. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan and this is Bitcoin Audible. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is Bitcoin Audible, and I am Guy Swan, the guy who has read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know. Uh, for everyone who has been asking, my dad is continuing to improve. And finally, looks like he's out of the deep woods here uh, and is going to make a full recovery, which after five days and f probably four of which we just had no idea if he was even going to come out of this. Uh, I can finally relax a little bit. We actually uh, had to rush back home. So I'm home actually for a couple of days here to get caught up on things and get some more episodes out, and I'll be back to see him later this week. But thanks again to everyone who showed so much support and reached out. It really, really does mean a lot. While I was just kind of hanging out in the hospital uh, with him, waiting for him to wake up and see if I could get some words out of him, uh, I actually was able to get a lot of reading and writing done, so I've got a lot of great stuff uh, that I found for the show. Today's article actually is about Bitcoin's value, which seems so insanely hard for some people to wrap their heads around. You know, you always get the, but it doesn't have intrinsic value, or what is it backed by, and hundreds of other ideas or, or criticisms that essentially mean the same thing. They're asking the same idea. Why is this point in particular so hard? And honestly, what does intrinsic value even mean? Dr. Bradley Rettler, who's assistant professor of philosophy at the University of Wyoming, has a really great piece uh, from Bitcoin Magazine that gets right to the heart of this idea. And of course, I give my take on it in the follow-up. But before we dive in, let's thank our lovely sponsors, Swan Bitcoin. If you are buying your Bitcoin somewhere else, you have made a grave miscalculation. Do not go to some chart gambling platform that tries to dump a million crap tokens on you. Just use a simple, automatic savings plan to stack regularly. SwanBitcoin.com slash guy will even get you $10 for free just for starting your plan. And when you auto-withdraw to your keys from Swan, use a secure hardware wallet like the Bitbox O2, baby. Secure, simple, sovereign, open-source, sexy, and Swiss-made, that's a lot of S's, Bitcoin hardware wallet it's easy to use, so it's good for people who are new to the space, but it's also great for the serious cypherpunk. I love it. I've been here for 10 years. Check them out at guyswan.com bitbox, and do not forget your 5% off 
with code GUY, G-U-I. And with that, let's get into today's article from Bitcoin Magazine, and it's titled, Another Way to Think About Bitcoin's Value, by Dr. Bradley Rettler. One's opinion on the value of Bitcoin depends on one's definition of value, as it is with anything. Dr. Rettler is an assistant professor of philosophy at the University of Wyoming. In this essay, I want to clarify and respond to a prevalent assertion regarding Bitcoin that, quote, Bitcoin has no intrinsic value. Two preliminary things to note. First, this is not used merely as a normatively neutral descriptive statement. It is stated as a criticism. It usually appears in the following kind of argument, often with premises elided. It's bad to lack intrinsic value. Bitcoin lacks intrinsic value, so Bitcoin is bad. Or maybe, it's not worth investing in things that lack intrinsic value. Bitcoin lacks intrinsic value, so it's not worth investing in Bitcoin. Second, intrinsic value has a particular meaning here, one that's used in investing. Owning Bitcoin is often put in contrast to owning stock in a company that produces a good or service. In virtue of the company producing a good or service and receiving money for the good or service, stock in that company is said to have intrinsic value. Methods of calculation of the intrinsic value of a stock usually involve calculating the value of the assets the company has and or of the expected future earnings. Bitcoin is not a company and produces no goods or services, so it lacks intrinsic value. So goes the criticism. I don't want to argue that Bitcoin has intrinsic value, and I don't want to argue that this usage of intrinsic value is illegitimate. People can use terms however they want, as long as they explain what they mean when they are using them. Instead, I want to offer a different way of thinking about intrinsic value, one that we've inherited from Aristotle, Kant, and Mill. This way of thinking about intrinsic value will guide us as we consider what kind of value Bitcoin does have and what gives it that value. On the traditional way of thinking about intrinsic value. The intrinsic value of a thing is the value that it has in itself. That is, not in relation to anything else. That is, after all, what the word intrinsic means. The contrast is extrinsic value, which is the value a thing has in virtue of its relation to other things. It's easy to think about the extrinsic value a thing has because you can think of the value it has for you. For example, a bicycle has extrinsic value because it gets me from place to place. Wine has extrinsic value because it tastes good. Money has extrinsic value because we can use it to buy other things. Extrinsic value is easy. It's much more difficult to determine whether something has value intrinsically. Maybe Bitcoin doesn't have intrinsic value in the sense that investors use the term. But might it have intrinsic value on this understanding of intrinsic value? And if not, does it differ in this respect from stocks and precious metals? We can start to get a handle on this question by asking, 
on this classic understanding of intrinsic value, do stocks of companies have value in themselves? No. They are valuable only to the extent that the company and the workers are valuable. Then we can ask, do companies have value in themselves? Even here, the answer is no. They are all valuable in virtue of their relations to other things, money, customers, employees, products, and so on. Let's take it even one step further. Does anything that any company produces have value in itself? An iPhone, a watch, an airplane, a massage, a tax return, a database, a baseball card. One way to answer this question of anything is to ask, why is that thing valuable? If you take there to be a sensible answer to that question, then that means that you think there is some further thing in virtue of which the original thing is valuable. And so you think that the thing isn't intrinsically valuable. For example, we can ask why an iPhone is valuable. An iPhone is valuable perhaps in part because it connects us to information and loved ones. So it's valuable because it brings about something of value, connection to information and connection to loved ones. If it didn't do that, it wouldn't be valuable. So it's valuable, but not intrinsically valuable. But even being connected to information and loved ones seems not to be intrinsically valuable. Because we can answer, why is being connected to information good with, it gives us knowledge, and it helps us navigate the world. And we can answer, why is being connected to loved ones good with, it makes them happy and it makes me happy. If those are right, then being connected to information and loved ones is not intrinsically valuable. It's valuable in virtue of making us happy. In fact, many philosophers think that the only thing that has intrinsic value is happiness. There are a few reasons for this. One reason is that if you ask why is happiness valuable, it's hard or maybe even impossible to answer. You might even assume that the person who asked didn't know what happiness was. You'd be tempted to say, it just is. It's valuable for its own sake. Another reason is that it makes me happy is, when true, always a good answer to why is X valuable. And we don't feel the need to follow up with why is being happy valuable. A third reason is that it seems plausible that everything else in the world Apple stock, iPhones, Bitcoin, friendship, love, etc. is pursued to the extent that it can bring happiness or bring something that brings happiness or bring something that brings something that brings happiness, etc. There is, of course, the further question of what happiness is. That's much harder to say. Some say pleasure. Some say a flourishing life. Some say the life of a mind in accord with reason. We won't get any more into that. There are also people who think there are other things that have intrinsic value, maybe friendship, maybe people, maybe God. There are many candidates. I don't intend to settle the question here. What's important to note is that neither Bitcoin nor any other investment would have intrinsic value on any of these theories. I'll proceed on the assumption that it's just happiness, 
but you can add to the list anything else you think has value independent of everything outside it and is pursued for its own sake. So, happiness and maybe some other things have intrinsic value and everything else is pursued to the extent that it brings happiness either directly or indirectly. Bitcoin, then, is not intrinsically valuable. But that doesn't mean it's not valuable. In fact, Bitcoin shares these features with every concrete material object and many immaterial things as well. If the above is correct, everything except happiness. So it's no criticism of Bitcoin to say that it doesn't have intrinsic value, since only happiness does. But is Bitcoin valuable? That's a different question than whether Bitcoin is intrinsically valuable, but it's a no less important one. If Bitcoin is valuable, then given that it's not intrinsically valuable, it's valuable in relation to other things. In particular, it's valuable in virtue of its relationship to happiness. So, does Bitcoin bring people happiness, whether directly or indirectly? In order to determine that, we should consider the reasons people buy Bitcoin. Some people buy it because their local currency is hyperinflating and they lack access to other stores of value, but they have access to Bitcoin. I wrote about this here. Some people buy Bitcoin because their local government censors their transactions and they can't buy the things they want with their local currency. Some people buy Bitcoin because they want to pay for things digitally, but distrust PayPal, Visa, and other huge corporations, and they don't want to give these companies their personal financial information. Some people buy it because they think other people will find it valuable, and they'll be able to sell it for more fiat currency than they bought it for. For all of these people, if you ask them why they are exchanging other things for Bitcoin, these people are likely to give a series of answers that ends with saying that they think that having Bitcoin is more likely to make them happy than having the other things. And these people number in the millions. Clearly, many people think Bitcoin is valuable. They reveal this by exchanging things like their government-backed currencies for Bitcoin. Some people think index funds and Apple stock are valuable. They reveal this by exchanging things such as government-backed currencies for index funds and Apple stock. But like Bitcoin, index funds and Apple don't have intrinsic value. Rather, their value depends solely on what people are willing to pay for them, which is based on their features. In that respect, they are just like <gasps> Bitcoin. So, Bitcoin, like Everything, except happiness, has no intrinsic value. Bitcoin's value is determined by how it brings about happiness for the people who use it. Just like pretty much everything else. Alright, and that closes out the read. Uh, let's go ahead and hit our sponsor real quick, and I want to do a short guy's take on this piece. So if nothing but happiness actually has intrinsic value, why is the BitBox 02 valuable? The BitBox is valuable because it gives people peace of mind. It securely stores a holder's Bitcoin keys independent of any company, government, or institution. You are holding your keys. The BitBox is valuable because it's easy to use and set up. 
It gets people from zero to Bitcoin sovereignty with the least frustration and least confusion possible. The BitBox is valuable because it doesn't demand that you trust it. It's open source, so anyone is able to verify for themselves or can see others who have verified how that security is achieved and that there are no back doors into your digital vault. Shift Crypto has given a special discount code GUY, that's my name, for the listeners of Bitcoin Audible, which gets you 5% off the BitBox hardware wallet and everything else in the Shift Crypto store. Head straight there through my redirect at guyswan.com bitbox. All right, so when I first read this or stumbled upon this article, I thought this was a really good concrete or maybe objective, not quite sure what the word is, but a more direct way or explicit way to explain uh, something I talk about or have talked about on this show in the past. I feel like quite a bit, but who knows? I do a lot of episodes, so uh, maybe it's been a while. Uh, But understanding the value of things is so hard to get around because so many things are accepted as valuable without understanding why they are. For instance, the way I have explained it in the past isn't quite in the same vein of this. I've never really attacked the meaning of intrinsic value, which I really like what Rettler does in this piece. But I've talked about it in the context that things are only valuable because of the knowledge of how to use them. The, one of the examples I used was oil. We have this idea that oil is intrinsically valuable because we can use it to produce energy, because we can refine gasoline out of it or plastics out of it and uh, you know, use that to power our car, et cetera, et cetera. But only with that knowledge is it worth anything. It, it does absolutely nothing without that. In fact, for hundreds or hundreds, for thousands and thousands of years, for all of human civilization up to a very, very recent date, like a hundred and... 20 years ago, 150 years ago, maybe, oil was a horrible, horrible thing to stumble upon. If you had oil coming out of the ground suddenly in your farmland or in the land you owned, it was now not worth anything. You couldn't grow crops there. It was, it was horrible news. It was, it was the opposite of intrinsically valuable. It was intrinsically devastating to the value of your land. But suddenly we gain this knowledge. We discover some information on how to actually use this thing for a different purpose. And suddenly it's incredibly valuable. But when you really get down to the heart of it, it's the knowledge that's valuable. It's the information that that is valuable. Because without it, the thing itself is useless. I mean, it's something as stupid as a chair. It's completely valueless unless you know how to use it. It could be a comfortable place to sit and relax, or it could be just something that's in your way. And really, this argument is just a way, is just one step removed from the idea of it bringing you happiness, right? So you ask, why is using oil like this, refining it into gasoline and putting it in your car so that you can go places, why is that useful or why is that valuable? And it's like, oh, well, because I want to go to place X. It's like, well, why is going to place X valuable? Because I'm happy by going to place X. So it's essentially the same argument, except without the philosophical explicit definitions, the explicit idea, breaking down to what is the true 
thing of intrinsic value that we are all seeking. And that is the idea that happiness is valuable in and of itself because it's the one thing that we don't have to really ask why is it valuable. And this is why I've always thought the idea or the criticism of Bitcoin has no intrinsic value is kind of just empty of any serious discussion. Because almost every single thing we do is limited, or like the vast majority of the economy today is of trading things, of owning things that don't have intrinsic value. And that's even without including stocks and bonds and stuff like that. I was, I was even dismissing that as a thing. I, like, what is, why is Facebook valuable? It's not a real thing. It's not like the value of Facebook is literally just counting up how many servers they have. How is a brand valuable? What is the value of a brand? It's obviously not intrinsic, yet brands are worth co collectively trillions of dollars. What's the value of a contract? It's entirely dependent on the trust of the other person or the trust of the institution enforcing that contract, which makes it completely ethereal. It is non-tangible in every way, shape, or form. It is literally a mechanism of trust. So when somebody like Peter Schiff says that gold is intrinsically valuable and Bitcoin is not, he's completely missing the point that even by his indirect and non-specific definition of intrinsic value, his assumption, uh, which is really just an error, it's just a false idea of what intrinsic value means because it is still extrinsic, but even with that, he is wrong. Most of the economy is still something of extrinsic value with his incorrect definition. I mean, think about it. How many apps are sold every year? How much software, how much of the economy is purely digital? How much of the economy is a trust relationship? How much of the economy is a guaranteed contract? How much of the economy is in connecting people and in relationships? All of these things are intangible. All of these things lack intrinsic value. And as Rettler rightly points out, so does everything else. It all lacks intrinsic value essentially except for happiness. Because as I've pointed out in the past and as Rettler like, does a great job of arguing here, is that you only those things are only valuable because you know what to do with them. Because you can use them for something else, which gets you something else or achieves something else, which ultimately brings you some form of satisfaction, some form of happiness. But I want to just talk about the idea of Bitcoin's value just in general, because it is something that's very difficult to understand. Money is inherently an incredibly abstract, I guess you could say, thing in the economy. It's very akin to like water with a fish. We don't think about it very much. It just kind of is. It's really only when the money fails that people stop and wonder what the hell it is or why one money should be used other as, an, uh, as opposed to another, etc., etc. And I think a good way to illustrate this is actually using gold. Because gold isn't valuable because of its quote-unquote intrinsic properties. It's not valuable because it, like, like the value that gold maintains has almost nothing to do with the fact that you can use it in electronics. In fact, it is very, very rarely used in electronics because its price is too high. What makes gold valuable and what has made gold valuable for 
thousands and thousands of years is that a subset of its physical properties make it a trustworthy monetary good. It is valuable because it is good money. This is by far the bulk of its value. This is the very nature of what become, how you define something as a money, how you distinguish it on the market as a money. It achieves and sustains what is referred to as a monetary premium, a price that is way higher than its quote-unquote intrinsic value. If it was good, if it was worth, uh, let's say gold was worth, you know, it's a $600 billion asset if, uh, if we only use it for shiny shit and for, you know, making electronics, then its actual value or its actual market capitalization is like $10 trillion. Well, then it has a nine point, what did I say, $600, uh, trillion dollar monetary premium. That is the value of the good as its use as money. And that is exactly what prices it out of the market for electronics, for using it to you know, forge metal objects or whatever would be great for a, a malleable metal. And it's exactly what bolsters its value as jewelry, because then it's a display of wealth. But if it wasn't worth a lot, it wouldn't be used as jewelry. That's a circular, uh, just completely circular logic as far as claiming it has value. It's not valuable because it's shiny. I mean, just look at the huge variation in other metals that are and or are not used in jewelry. Let's say silver, chrome, nickel, and tin. Essentially, you can polish the crap out of all of these and make these beautiful, shiny metals. But how often do you hear of somebody buying a ring made of nickel or a necklace made of tin? Or maybe even a better comparison is something like a, a cubic zirconia, diamonds, and glass. If their value was explicitly because they looked pretty and that you could make them into jewelry, glass would be the winner across the board. It's easier to work with. You can make it, a whole, you can make it all sorts of variations in colors, and you can mold it into so many amazing shapes. If it was purely for the display value, then why such a huge gap in the cost, in the value, and things that are damn near indistinguishable with the naked eye? So the real question to ask when we are talking about a monetary good is why is money valuable? What makes a good money, and why does money achieve a premium? Going back to the example of gold and those numbers, again, I'm just throwing out, like I have no idea, but if it's $600 billion is the value of gold in electronics and manufacturing, and then $9.4 trillion is its value as a monetary good, its monetary premium, what in the hell makes it worth an extra $9.4 trillion? And what's funny is we toss this out as if this like is just obvious. Obviously, a money is the money. But what does that even mean? What is a monetary good? Why is it valuable to have a money? And this is where I think people just completely miss something that is absolutely key. It is absolutely fundamental to what a money is. Money is a networking technology. 
First off, I think it's also important to note money is the most valuable good. It is the good in the society that emerges as the top dog, as the good of all other goods, because it can most securely relate to the value of all the other ones. The reason money is valuable is because it can better define what the value of a chicken is in relation to the value of a car than anything else. So when we say that something is a good money, it is equivalent to saying this is the most valuable thing in existence. Now, what does it mean to be a networking technology? And I think the best example is something that we do not afford value or value to or that we do not price, I guess you could say, but is obviously of immense value. Language. Language is a purely networking technology that is of astronomical value. Without it, our ability to coordinate, to build things, to create teams, to organize, to spread information. Like I said earlier, knowledge is the only thing that's truly valuable. Well, knowledge is transmitted via language. Without language, there is, no, there is no way to purely transmit knowledge. Either that or the little knowledge that we can translate or, or transmit is so murky and difficult to do so that it has to be done directly or it has to be done like in person by directly showing somebody how to do it, which means that it's a billion times slower, it is inefficient, and it does not, or it's not broad and versatile. It then has to be essentially explicit to a very, a very concrete thing and a concrete action. Abstract knowledge, like how to think about things, that can fundamentally change your reference and perspective to the world, which can open up vast new pools of solutions and ways to address problems and to, to better our lives. Without language, society literally cannot exist. And yet, what is it? It's perfectly intangible. It's clearly not intrinsic. If I'm the only one that speaks a language that I invented, what the hell is not useful for anything? Language is purely of value because we share it with someone else. Because it can be used to transmit concepts and knowledge from one person's brain to another person's brain quickly and relatively accurately. It is the tool by which we articulate knowledge. And as I said earlier, knowledge is the only reason we can ascribe anything to have value, which means language is essentially something that is of such a great value that it's impossible to even define it. Money is very much this exact sort of thing. It is the way we define value. While language is the thing that we use to define or articulate knowledge, money is the thing that we use to articulate value and to communicate value between each other. It becomes the totem, that monetary, or excuse me, that network good that becomes the most trusted means of storing, defining, and transmitting value in an economic system. Bitcoin is designed explicitly to do that job. And the first step in that process is achieving that status, the monetary premium, is to prove 
its trust. It's, a, it's trust in the ability to secure that value. It must store value first and prove it can continue to store it even as, as it scales to greater amounts. In other words, it has to prove that it can achieve and sustain a monetary premium without that excess value destroying it. And this is usually what happens with other goods. This is the whole history of money is goods that end up being destroyed because they are no longer able to maintain the monetary premium without being, I guess you could say, taken advantage of or cheated. Take glass beads, for instance, that were used all across uh, the coast of Africa. And in isolated societies, it could achieve a monetary premium because they didn't have the technology to produce them in mass. But when a new technology was entered into that environment, or let's say a new society, like for in the, the case of uh, West Africa, when a more technologically advanced society then integrates with them that can produce money well below the cost of the monetary premium, it destroys it as a monetary unit. And that's what happened when the English came to Africa is they saw that these glass beads were very valuable and that you could just buy all their stuff if you just had these glass beads. So they would go back to the UK, they would go back to Britain and just mass produce these glass beads for dirt cheap and then go literally buy slaves that were, you know, conquered in their their individual wars. And they would they would buy people, they would buy goods, they would buy uh, uh, materials. And essentially, because of this new technology, because of this new knowledge, the ability of the glass beads to maintain, to securely maintain that monetary premium was completely destroyed. Anything that can be produced cheaply in great number by some means will never maintain a monetary premium, a premium above its production price. Because if its price goes up, then people will just make more of it until there's no profit left in doing so. Its price will just fall back down to the equilibrium and people will stop producing excess. This is why fiat works until it gets abused or until somebody figures out a way to counterfeit it. Because it's fake scarcity. It's scarcity enforced by violence. This is why historically, along with a few other key characteristics of money, obviously, but historically the monetary good is essentially the good that is most difficult to make more of as its price increases. So even though this is something that is very poorly understood, money is a tool in itself. It is a networking good like all the others, language, the internet, social networks, the telephone, etc., etc. And just like every other good out there, none of them actually have intrinsic value. Essentially, all value is extrinsic. They have value because of what they enable people to do that they cannot do without them. They have value because of what we can use them for in relation to other things. They have value because of the knowledge we possess in how and why we would want to use them. And ultimately the why will be because it brings us happiness, because it betters our lives and achieves some goal oriented with our continued and bettered existence. This is why Bitcoin is not just valuable. If it truly maintains its monetary premium 
across all borders and jurisdictions and societies and levels of technology, if it continues to scale and maintains its trust as a secure monetary network, it is the most valuable good in the world. Thanks to Dr. Rettler for defining this idea much more concretely than I did myself and kind of giving me another layer to add to this discussion in the future. Thanks to Bitcoin Magazine for always having the best stuff out there. And of course, our awesome sponsors, Shift Crypto with the Bitbox Hardware Wallet and Swan Bitcoin, the true Bitcoiners automatic savings plan. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am Guy Swan. This is Bitcoin Audible. And until next time, take it easy, guys. This has been Bitcoin Audible, a 111 production. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.